Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Holy Shoot Podcast, a podcast that is all about the world of professional wrestling. I'm your host, Broderick, and joining us on today's show is... Hi, this is Jason, back once again with the ill behaviour. Mm. You know, they say that all men are created equal, but you look at me and you look at Samoa Broad and you can see that that statement is not true. See, normally if you go on Holy Shoot with another podcaster, you've got a 50-50 chance of winning, but I'm a genetic freak and I'm not normal, so you got a 25% at best of beat me. Then you add Big Jason to the mix, the chances of winning drastic go down. See, the three-way on Holy Shoot, you got a 33 and a third percent chance of winning, but I... I got a 66 and two-thirds chance of winning because Big Jason knows he can't beat me and he's not even going to try. So Samoa Broad, you take your 33 and a third percent chance minus my 25% chance and you got an eight and a third chance of winning on the Holy Shoot podcast. But then you take my 75% chance of winning if we was to go one-on-one and then add but 66 and two-thirds percent winning, I got 141 and two-thirds percent chance of winning. See, Broad, the numbers don't lie and they spell disaster for you on Holy Shoot. I realised I didn't actually say my name in that. Uh, so I'm Sam. Oh, I thought it was Scott Steiner. Fuck's no, sake. I wasn't. I, oh, I, uh, oh. Do you know what? I actually just read. I, I have another line underneath that. Oh, uh, no. Where I was going to do from the promo, he says, See, but I'm going to break it down for all you ladies. Would you rather be with Sam or would you rather be with Brad? Wow. <laughs> We're going to put that on a Twitter poll. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, guys, uh, typical Enzo Amore uh, response to all your introductions. How are you doing? Uh, pretty good, yeah. Not too bad today. Pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, not too bad either, not too bad either. Uh, been a very nerdy weekend uh, in my household. Avengers Endgame, oof. Game oh, yeah. of Thrones. Yeah, oof. I did those back-to-back nights. Very different, big fights, but enjoyable. Yeah, I- I'm not going to go into two. Uh, I'm not going to go into spoilers, but uh, have you seen it, Sam? I have seen bo- both of those things. I tell you what, Avengers End- I'm not that into the Marvel, Marvel movies, so what <laughs> Avengers Endgame really reminded me of was how much I fucking hate the general public. It's like a huge room full of people who can't shut the hell up. Really annoying. And clapping at a film, man, don't even get me started. I can't believe that they killed Robocop and Jon Snow. I know. Oh. Do, 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 do. I in thought you were going to say John Cena. <laughs> in the same episode. <laughs> can't believe Danny DeVito was the Night King. I know, that was the biggest and twist. And Thanos. Coming, yeah. <laughs> Thanos. It was the crossover, yeah, where Thanos got defeated by Daenerys' dragons. Yeah, I can't believe D from It's Always Sunny was um, Daenerys. I just... (laughs) (laughs) Ah, you know. um, That It's Always Sunny Game of Thrones crossover, fuck me. Um, There's there's one thing I didn't expect. By the way, uh, we do love the general public here on Holy Shoot. Um, It's just Sam who doesn't. No, no, none of the none of your listeners are the general public. Um, everyone who listens to this po- podcast is a very respectful, incredibly intelligent, erudite, and polite individual. I'm sure. And in a cinema situation, I'm sure they'd all shut the fuck up and let me enjoy the film I've paid twenty quid to watch. I'll pay twenty five. Oh damn! Yeah, it's not. I it's... went IMAX. I I went IMAX. Oh, fair enough. I just went on a, like a posh screen at the oh well the Genesis in Whitechapel, which was all right. I paid, I paid £9 for standard Woking cinema. Just a, a Poor man, Jason. 
It's good. I, well, I spent my money on cocktails before I went to see the movie, which then made me enjoy it maybe a bit more. I was going to say that probably made it a bit more fun. Yeah. Seven I, stars. I didn't drink because I heard it was a three hour film. And I thought, yeah, I'm not making that mistake. I was getting aisle seat for that reason. I, I went to midnight screening, so I had five shots of coffee instead. Oh, yeah, I saw you on Instagram. I didn't sleep at <laughs> 8 a.m. Rock and roll. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Welcome to the film podcast. Yeah, yeah sorry, yeah. <laughs> okay, Jason, I am the host. I know, I you normally do that. Yeah, so, um, guys, terrific general banter as usual. We call this a general banter segment, if you're new. So, anyway, coming up on today's show... We will be discussing what we think is the number two wrestling promotion in North America. Is it Impact, Ring of Honor, New Japan, AEW, or something else? And then to cap off today's show, we are also in the realms of fantasy booking once again, as we will be booking our ideal WWE versus our chosen promotion um, from the previous segment. But up first, after this short break, I will be reviewing Impact Rebellion. This past Sunday, Impact Wrestling hosted Rebellion in Canada's biggest city, Toronto, back in the same venue that they hosted Slammiversary last year. Was it as good as Slammiversary in 2018 or their most recent w, uh, pay-per-view homecoming back in January? I'm the only one who that watched this event, so uh, do you guys want to ask me my thoughts match by match or do you have any general questions? I've got some general questions. Okay. I guess, first of all, um, I want to know, just understand production stuff with some of these non-WE shows. So it was in about a 3,000-seater venue. Did it look like it was a sellout, or did it look like they'd set it up in a way that you couldn't tell? Um, I wouldn't be able to see 3,000 there. Uh, I'm not sure if there's people on the balcony. Like, I think there might be a balcony. I'm not sure. Uh, it's, it, it looks like a very intimate arena. I think there was more people there than at Slammiversary, because I think that was... Prior to Slammiversary, Impact was struggling to sell out. Of course, they recently set out the last tapings in New York, um, such as being the progress that they've made as a promotion from the very dark days only a couple of years ago. So I th- it wouldn't surprise me if you know there were two or 3,000 there. And, and before we get into the matches, production-wise, was there any obvious major fuck-ups with screens going black or issues with sound, which sometimes happens on these shows? No, I mean, the thing with Impact is as close as you're going to get to WWE-level production. Uh, you know, AEW... Uh, sorry, well, it wasn't AEW, but All In had more F-ups than any Impact paper you have seen. There were a couple of times where they could have got the shot better, uh, especially in the opening bout uh, and the six-man tag with uh, Moose in the North and the Rascals. Um, there was a couple of spots that they missed because of the camera angles that they were using. I mean, for those who didn't watch it, the main hard cam was actually facing towards the stage. So uh, sometimes, you know, there's a little... For those who also didn't see it, there was a ramp straight to, straight to the ring and there was a you know, there there wasn't any like ramp down ring area all okay. the way around. And so yeah. 
So, and then, <clears throat> then the reason I don't watch TNA is because I kind of just lost interest. I think I don't really know a lot of the guys are on the show. I just got sick of them changing UK Network and didn't wasn't that impressed with the show for some time. Um, I think I've heard good things about a couple of their shows now. Um, how did you? So, how did you rate this show overall? I would give it a grade of B. I think it was a very it was a fun show. It wasn't as good as their previous uh, big pay per view homecoming or anniversary last year, but there's a lot of good matches. And I think the beauty of Impact Wrestling is that there's something for everyone. And I I don't mean that in a WWE main roster sense. Um, there's high flying action with. X division matches. There's a lot of hardcore wrestling, which I know a lot of people miss because WWE and the PG era. And there's a lot of good technical stuff. And in comparison to say the Raw SmackDown, SmackDown Women's Division, Impact is the closest thing that offers a similar level of competition. So you know this card really summarized how good Impact could be and how frustrating it could be at times as well. Yeah, but it, overall, it's a good show. It looks like they managed to not fuck up the main event finish, so that's always a plus. Um, before I go into a couple of the matches that I was more interested in, Sam, was there anything you wanted to ask? Uh, no, I, not not really production-wise. I guess I was interested, yeah, like you say, I, I don't watch Impact, and I so I don't know who hardly any of the people on there are, so I'd be interested to see, you know, yeah, who was on the card. I think the only name I recognise so far has been Moose. Yeah, so if we start with that match then, so I've seen some highlights, just some real quick clips, and I saw Moose and the North versus the Rascals. The Rascals look pretty cool in terms of, like, they're not exactly big guys, but they look like they're a great team in terms of coordination of moves. That looked like it was a fun match. Yeah, it was a fun match. Uh, Yeah, as Sam mentioned, Moose is probably the biggest name, being a former NFL player turned uh, pro wrestler, trained at Ring of Honor. Um, Yeah, this was a fun match. I would probably give it three, three and a half stars. It's just quick paced action. The Rascals remind me a lot of the Young Hardys um, back in the early days of the Attitude Era in terms of what they can do. They're very high flying. They're very fun. And it's the first time they've been booked in something qu- quite serious and impact wrestling. You know, they've been around for a little while, I think, on impact now. They were at the last pay per view, and one of them was in the opener. But yeah, this is the first time they've been booked as a group on an impact pay-per-view i think and uh yeah it was a fun match so the one of the matches the match just before this so there was eight matches on this show and i'm yeah. not going to worry about the um six man let's do the spots to start the show traditional that was a yeah, good fun impact match, match but it's always, it's always that way so it's, yeah. i don't really want to talk about that match. i know yeah. that's, that's always fun um but they had an intergender singles match we don't get many intergender matches on i guess north american shows in terms of one pay-per-view yeah. so that seems quite important yeah, so Scarlett Bordeaux and Falabar have been having this rivalry with Desi Hip Squad, as far as I can tell. I kind of only watch the clips um, each and every week. Uh, Bordeaux is, uh, for those who don't know, is this very uh, sexy blonde character, and she lives up to the gimmick very well. It's something, by the way, that the performer feels comfortable doing. It's her gimmick, not one that was impacts gimmick so yeah she beats uh rohit raju in five minutes it was not a good match if i'm honest it was more just a fun throwaway but i think they're tipping bordeaux to be a future knockouts champion i think she's actually a better wrestler than uh, the rest of the guys that were around in that match and some of the matches that she's been having on uh the weekly uh impact television 
uh, series. So, um, yeah, it wasn't a good match, but it wasn't the best example of intergender wrestling. But, you know, they, they always tend to put the women over in, in these bouts. And the, I mean, the other, the other match with women on was Taylor Valkyrie, and I think I always forget as my next name. There's there two. Oh, the, oh, they're right. There was two. You're right. Yeah. So God, I, I completely. I need to come back to that one in a moment. But if I do, if I do the knockouts match, so that's a good point. They had two women's matches and one intergender match. So it's yeah. sort of a good, good to see the amount of women on the show. But they had they had Jordan Grace um, fighting for the knockouts championship, and I'm a fan of hers. Yeah. And they they got nine minutes, but um, I don't know. I don't know much about Taylor Valkyrie though. Yeah. So uh, for those who don't know, Ty Valkyrie, um, she is a bigger star on Lucha Underground, I think. I don't watch Lucha Underground. That's but where I've heard of him from, certainly. Yeah, yeah. And uh, also, wife of former uh, Impact World Champion, uh, Impact World Champion Johnny Impact. I have no idea how I forgot that for a second. Yeah, uh, this match was quite disappointing, if I'm honest. I expected it to be more heavy-hitting, given the talent involved. Both women are capable of doing better. Okay, so in terms of highlights of the show, um, did Gail Kim turn it on in her match coming out of retirement against Tessa Blanchard? Two amazing performers. Yeah, so this for me was the best match of the night. Um, it was a great moment of passing the torch. I didn't really like the embrace at the end that these two had, mainly because I think Blanchard is such a good heel. It didn't make sense for her to break down in tears and hug Gail Kim. I think that was... I, I don't like that indie sort of stuff on a televised... Uh, production it, have it by all means on an independent show or independent production but when it comes to something as televised as impact and especially with the heel work that tessa blanchard has done and it's very very good heel work um i didn't like that but aside from that this was a cracking match um i would give it four and a half stars oh, tessa blanchard high praise go on sam I was just going to say, how long ago did Gail Kim retire? Because it doesn't seem like it was that long ago. Yeah. Uh, I, like, maybe so, a year? Yeah. I know. It's been a bit longer. Than that. I looked this up a little while ago because of our, our mutual friend who is a massive Gail Kim fan, and we were trying to work out what she'd been up to. She spent a couple of years, it seems like, as a producer for Impact. Yeah. So it has been a bit of a break for her. She's been a producer and agent. This has been a long term storyline Gail Kim accidentally well Gail Kim didn't accidentally cost Tessa Blanchard the knockout championship but uh, she was referee at the homecoming match with Tyre Valkyrie this is when Tyre was a face and uh, Tessa was just being nasty to Gail so Gail got a sweet revenge um, but yeah Gail has been out of the ring for a couple of years now so it wasn't that surprising that she was moving as quickly as she was um but I think she wanted a proper retirement match, a proper passing the torch, considering I think the last one, not that I've seen it, was a botch fest and Gail actually had to end up winning her last match. So I think she wanted to put someone over in the traditional sense of wrestling. And there's no one better to put over than Tessa Blanchard, who is probably uh, the best female wrestler in the world, you could argue, right now. Um, and quickly, um, just have a match. We had Rich Swan and Sammy Callahan for the X Division Championship. People will know Rich Swan from his WWE days. Um, I don't really have much interest in any of these guys. Was it much going on with it? With it, uh, yeah. sixteen minutes. Yeah, this is a great hardcore match. Uh, well, I wouldn't say great hardcore match. I think it was a very good hardcore match where they told a great story between two former friends. Sammy Callahan's brilliant at um, really getting the best out of his opposition in terms of you know facial reactions and ring psychology i mean how 
how the NXT system let him go or give him a bad gimmick is beyond me because he very much reminds me of Dean Ambrose when Dean Ambrose first, you know, started both in SCW and in his Shield days. I think he's that good of a character wrestler. But yeah, this match was very, very good. I think Sammy's had better hardcore matches in Impact, especially with the likes of uh, Pentagon and Phoenix, but I'd definitely check this out if you're into hardcore wrestling. It's a very, very good match. Did he use the same name when he was in WWE? No, he was Solomon Crow. That was it. Yeah, it was. It was. He was. He didn't do well in in TN, in NXT. I remember. I didn't really care for him. Then he's done doing better going being Sammy Callahan. I mean, he's an he's intense performer. I'll give him that. But I'm just yeah. not into that style of wrestling. Yeah. Um. So the two big, I guess, the two main event matches here because um we had the world title where Brian Cage beat Johnny Impact in about 13 minutes, and that wasn't the main event. No, the main event was the world tag team title full metal mayhem match with the LAX versus the Lucha Brothers. Um. I guess on the Brian Cage Johnny Impact match, I've read up on this. It sounds like Brian Cage had a bit of a nasty injury. He seems okay. It's more like a bone bruise and some other issues, but he struggled for most of the match. Was that obvious? Yeah. Yeah, it was. He slowed down considerably after taking a Spanish fly from the ramp onto the ring floor. Uh, You can tell straight away that he was kind of hurt the way he, yeah, they kind of, Johnny Impact did a great way, a great thing in protecting him. He finished the match. It's a great shame for both men as well because both of them could definitely put on a four-star plus match together without a botch finish, which is what happened at, um, last pay-per-view homecoming maybe third time lucky when they get to yeah, it yeah well you know the the next program and it appears this is going to be the title match at Sanversary is going to be Brian Cage versus Mike Elgin which I'm not excited about because I've never really engaged in Mike Elgin whenever I've seen him in New Japan or Ring of Honor so you know maybe 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 Impact will make me care about Mike Elgin, like they've made me care about some of these guys. But yeah, I've, I felt this was a, a good match. That was all things considered, like you know, uh, it's a two and a half star match purely because Brian Cage was injured, and credit to him for finishing the match the way he did. But yeah, you could tell he was slowed down and not connecting his moves properly. And so Brian Cage is now their champ. He's a big looking, big, big bad looking boy. So sort of, it's kind of. Be interesting how that goes for them, um, and he's quite good in the ring. I've seen some of his AAA matches and some of his other like shows he's done, and he's he holds up oh, his he, end for a big. Oh match. yeah, he he's incredible for a tank. Like yeah. he is, a, he is a man tank. Like you know, uh, Sam, Sam, if you've not yeah. seen him, you should just Google Brian Cage now, and you'll see he's like. Mate, do you know I'm literally already doing that? <laughs> he's he's like a weird. Yeah, I mean, can I just share the picture I'm looking at maybe in the chat so that you can all appreciate. What is is this a Photoshop that I'm looking at, or is this actually him? That's yeah, yeah, that's this is Sam sharing a picture of the incredibly yeah, this is ridiculous. I'm not sure that looks a tiny bit Photoshop, but very similar to that size. (laughs) What was his name? He was in Lucha Underground. What was his name in Lucha Underground? It wasn't Tank, was it? I don't don't know. know. If it is in Triple A, he in Triple A, he was Brian Cage. I don't know where he was in Lucha. So, so why so, looking that up? Just to, to finish this segment off, main event. I bet this is amazing though. LAX versus Lucha Brothers. Twenty minutes. Full metal mayhem. Broad summary of this match, and I guess overall, are you recommending the show? Spots, spots, spots. How do you like them? How do you like them? Spots, spots, spots. Yeah, if it wasn't for the fact that Blanchard 
versus Kim happened, this would be my match of the night. This was just so much fun. I, I will say, again, it wasn't as good. I, I know this is a frequent thing, and it sounds like I'm crapping on the show a tiny bit, but this wasn't as good as a homecoming match. It was a straightforward tag match. That, in my opinion, was a near enough five-star tag match that you can get. But this, you know, I give it four and a quarter, four and a half stars. The ending to this match was just awesome when Ortiz powerbombed Phoenix through a table with thumbtacks. The one little thing I will say is the referee went to count the fall behind the table that Phoenix was <laughs> went through. So he couldn't see Phoenix's shoulders from where he was positioned. <laughs> but he was counting. And I'm like... Oh, that's a botch that no one's picked up on. Uh, yeah, this was this was a fun match, and it, it, it just shows how far Impact has come. It's a shame that Lucha Brothers, for Impact, this is will go on to AEW. But it was a nice touch by um, by the riders to allow everyone to you know come down to the ring at the end and celebrate with the Lucha Brothers and LAX. Just you know, it's almost an end of an era because they've been around for a couple of years now, Pentagon and Phoenix, and their contribution to the Impact brand and restoring it to you know past glories almost, which is what it feels uh, was well deserved. And I think putting LAX over on the way out, a tag team that is absolutely phenomenal, and one day will get signed by WWE and AEW because they are that damn good. Um, in fact, I'd probably put them as my top tag team in the world right now. Yeah, I I, I think, you know, for anyone who likes uh, TLC matches, for anyone that likes hardcore-type wrestling, you'll love this match. You'll absolutely love this match. Cool. So, I mean, overall, you're recommending this show, especially if you've not watched Impact or TNA, whatever yeah. you want to call it, for a while, and it's worth giving the brand another go, it sounds like. Yeah, it definitely is. Like, I would definitely check out the last four pay-per-views as, as, as well, because they've, uh, well, since anniversary, they've been absolutely fun. They've done some stuff that I haven't liked, you know, like Ali the Vampire Slayer was just a bit too goofy for me, but, you know, I've never been a huge fan of Rosemary. But, uh, you know, aside from that, I think, you know, they put on class matches on these shows. They do a slow-paced storytelling on a weekly basis, so you build up to these matches, very much like NXT TakeOver. I look forward to these shows just as much as TakeOver these days because they do provide something different. And you're not, you know, you're not overindulging on good professional wrestling. So, yeah, I definitely recommend checking out this show and their previous shows. When I say it's a solid B grade, I mean, you know, I mean that as a very good grade, you know. So, yeah, definitely check it out. Cool. So, I guess that leads us into the next segment we'll be doing. Yeah. So, I'll let you handle that. So, yeah, uh, I promise uh, you guys that you'd be more active in the next segment where we debate which promotion is second to WWE in North America right after this short break hey you if you like the podcast then remember to like the holy shoe wrestling podcast on facebook and follow us on twitter at holy shoe pot do it do it now
four years, the number two promotion once WCW folded back in 2001 was TNA, now known as Impact Wrestling. But since their plight earlier in the decade due to years of mismanagement, we have seen other promotions rise, such as uh, Ring of Honor and New Japan Pro Wrestling, who have seemingly taken that spot. And now with the advent of All Elite Wrestling, or AEW as colloquially known, a promotion that is definitely looking to change the world, of pro wrestling we thought it might be a good idea to discuss what we think is a number two promotion in the u.s and canada today jason is here defending the plucky upstart aw sam is defending the notorious workhouse that is new japan pro wrestling and ring of honor and i'm defending the phoenix of pro wrestling impact so uh who wants to start by saying why they think their organization is number two and when we say number two we don't mean crap. So right, I'll, I'll start with the plucky upstart, as you call it, it is AEW. Um, it's hard to call something a plucky upstart when they're owned by this one of the richest men in America, but it's worth $6.7 billion. So I think that's going to play in. But I guess just some context for why I'm going with AEW. Basically, there isn't anyone else. Um, I appreciate AEW are not anywhere on the board now. We, you know, as we call them, they're just a T-shirt company at the moment. But when you look at um, size and like what the other guys have got in terms of their TV viewerships, TNA now gets 15,000 viewers on the Pursuit channel in the US and about 10,000 on Twitch. That's from that they were at 150 before they moved to the Pursuit channel. So they, they dropped from 150,000 to 15,000. They're dead. No one cares. It's going to be my honest assumption that despite how much of a good show they're putting on. Um, Ring of Honor, you can't really get rating fit numbers for... MLW is also apparently you know, under the 100,000, so they're all pretty tiny. So while AEW has no TV ratings yet, let's look at what we can and let's look at the sales they've had for their shows. They're selling out 10,000-seater arenas in seconds. Uh, I don't think any of those other guys could get close to doing that. So that's why I'd say they're number two, really. Um, yeah, at the moment, they're not there. I'd accept that. But when you look at who has the buzz, who's got the social chatter, the finances, and apparently the TV deal, there's no way I'm looking past AEW as the second biggest wrestling company in America uh, by the end of the year. That's my case. So I think my position is an odd one, because I think if we had this discussion a year ago, there would be no no question that Ring of Honor was the number, or Ring of Honor and New Japan together were collectively the number two promotion in in america but in this business a lot can change in a year uh, and obviously AEW have poached a lot of their top stars with that being said even without the power of uh, the elite basically um it's funny that you should mention uh, that they sold that the uh, AEW guys sold out a 10,000 seater stadium within a few minutes of the tickets being on sale because recently New Japan and Ring of Honor together did sell out Madison Square Garden for the G1 Supercard on WrestleMania weekend. Uh, they actually sold 60% of those tickets on pre-sale and the remaining tickets were all sold within 16 minutes of of the of the sale going up. Now, that is a massive show on WrestleMania weekend but it's still kind of indicative that there's definitely still a lot of interest in the uh, in in those two collective rosters. Uh, one thing I would say, though, uh, all the New Japan shows in America have all been huge draws. And I feel like that's because New Japan still has the novelty factor of, of you know, it's rare. You don't get an Okada match on U.S. soil very often. You don't get an opportunity to see, you know, uh, any of the other kind of top uh, New Japan guys, any of the LIJ guys and, and, and things like that. And I think there are quite a lot 
of New Japan fans in America created by uh, the elite. So I think there's still something to be said for the Western expansion there as well. Um, you yeah, know, they're still a reliable draw. Um, so I think even though, yeah, Ring of Honor doesn't still have its top stars and maybe it, it's it's kind of waning a little bit now. Uh, the, yeah, the New Japan guys are still a huge draw. And if they start pushing more shows in America like they are doing this year with the G1 Climax launch in Dallas, uh, then, yeah, they could be a, a, con- a conceivable threat to Impact and, and to AEW. So we're talking about which brand is number two right now. And I'm going to pick up on Sam's point first and foremost. You talk about, you know, being number two last year. I think Impact had more TV viewership, you know. I'm just putting it out there. And I will say this, AEW is not even on a broadcaster yet. So, you know, there's your argument about viewership. And we all know that prior to this year, they were actually doing still relatively decent ratings, you know, considering the channel they were on. And, you know, streaming services like Twitch is a future. And I think that could eventually work in their favor. Uh, Beyond that, quite clearly, Impact has the best production value outside of WWE. You look at All In's production value, and I've got to be honest, having seen a tiny bit of it, I was disappointed at the level of production value. Uh, Interesting one you should mention, because the All In production was done by the Ring of Honor production team. Which Ooh. is why it was all a little bit kind of Ring of Honor, as you guys may well be aware, has real trouble with timing on their pay-per-views and with like technical issues and things like that. And yeah. so that's kind of why AEW had that with uh, yeah. with uh, Double I mean, or Nothing. Judging judging their production values on their first ever show they ran is kind of hard to do because I remember the first ever Impact Wrestling shows. Okay, so yeah, Impact, you know. You made that comparison, but that was 2001. We're talking about 2019. And, you know, as I said, Sam buried his own product, (laughs) you know. I did, I did. Oh, no, my product's New Japan. Come on now. Yeah, well, New Japan and Ring of Honor. And, you know, even then, Impact Wrestler's product is better than New Japan, as well as Ring of Honor when it comes in terms of production value. And with regards to AEW, we haven't seen what they've done yet. We don't know what they're capable of. We've seen one pay-per-view that was done by Ring of Honor. They'll do another pay-per-view. Those numbers, you know, they came under six figures. They're trying to say they compete with WWE. You're not even the number two promotion yet. You know, you've done two 10,000-seat arenas, arenas, and that's very good. Impact was doing arenas uh, back in TV tapings in 2010, 2011. You know, like... We don't know where all elite wrestling lie, and that's the thing. You can't call them a number two promotion until they're established with a TV deal, which, you know, no one has reported. There's no deal signed yet, and we don't know if there's a deal that's going to be signed. As much as the positive reports have been out there, until a deal is signed, you're not number two. So I'm also going to bury Ring of Honor a little bit further here. Oh dear, Sam. I'm going to try and put over New Japan. Hear me out, hear me out. I feel like uh, having read kind of the backstage news after the Enzo and Cass bullshit that happened at the G1 Supercard, word is that a lot of the New Japan higher-ups and, and the guys in the locker room really don't want to work with Ring of Honor anymore. They've got a contract that's ongoing, but there's pretty strong rumours that they're likely to break that partnership 
because they're not really getting that much out of it anymore. Now that people like the Young Bucks, like Kenny Omega, like Marty Skrull, uh, who well, Marty Skrull's still, still in Ring of Honor, although how much longer? Um, they were big draws for New Japan as part of Bullet Club. Now that they've gone, what does Ring of Honor have to offer New Japan? The Briscoes! That's basically it. But actually, from what I've seen, uh, well, I, I mean, it might have just been a work, but G.O.D., after that bullshit with um, Enzo and Cass, really buried the Briscoes, like, not not in a kind of a wrestling, we're having a fight and we're better than you way, in a kind of like, you guys are shits, so you're bad at the business and here's all the reasons why, kind of behind the scenes type way. There was a lot of bad blood caused by that that Enzo and Cass thing. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see them maybe even linking up with All Elite in the future instead of with Same. Ring of Honor. I've, I've got two key points, I think, in terms of rebuttal to Broad talking about AEW not having any TV ratings to sort of back to compare to. So I'll look at same way the number two. If you look, if we factor it all in, we have to assume that that's basically an AEW pay per view, right? When you look at the roster and the guys that ran it, okay. it was just like their launch show. Um, they did 20,000 pay per view buyers. TNA does around 9,000 pay per view buyers. So AEW. First show, yeah, novelty of it. Their one show does double what Impact Wrestling Wait, is able all to achieve. In, okay, okay, cool. But that's fine. All In does 20,000 in their first pay-per-view that got all that hype online, all that social media presence, and they could only do 20,000 in 2019. Well, they, uh, could only, they could only do double what the apparent number two product in the UK, in the US, according to you, can do. Yeah, Impact's being a regular promotion. Of course, they're going to have declining figures. You know, that's, that's terrible. No, that, them. If they can't get, if they're saying that they're accepting declining pay per view rates and they're not a grand company, they're a dying company. <laughs> well, 20,000 for. Okay, so All In has all this promotion, all this promotion going on online, and they could only get 20,000 pay per views. Comparison to Impact's promotion, which, you know, they don't have the same level of marketing oh, so they are, they're not spending much money or growing and they're the number two company i mean you're I, not even a number two company because you don't even have a tv broadcaster yet it, do you, you need to have twenty thousand pay-per-view buys for something way more heavily promoted that is a failure in marketing i would say i, I, I think say uh, uh, impact has been incredibly realistic considering all its financial troubles to restore themselves as the number two brand in the united states and canada you're not number two yet. You um, will probably be number two. I will grant you that. The key point, Impact actually has spent advertising budget promoting their shows. Um, the All Elite guys, they for that show, they didn't really spend hardly any money promoting it. This is all organic, social, and buzz online. Well, they so, got... Okay, that's fine. That's fine. They got... Exclude the budget for one second. All organic, all social, only led to 20,000. 20,000 ang- fans, probably angry at WWE's regular product and yet still probably watch it and tweet about it also you you guys are talking about pay-per-view buys but does that take into account all the people who watched it live using the ring of honor streaming service instead of buying the pay-per-view through fight tv or all the people who watched it live through new japan world instead of buying it through fight tv because there's quite substantial numbers of people in both of those that's all that's all fine and well sam that is all fine and good. But the problem is that's a Ring of Honor New Japan product then, and uh, not an AEW product. I think you'll find it's a partner. That partnership no longer exists for AEW. Because they won't need it going forward. They used it for that one show. 
in the same way that I yeah I watched those figures are redundant in my opinion. No, I think you're completely wrong. I think I'm completely right. I I think it's interesting, Brod, that you mentioned about how Twitch TV uh, impacts partnership with Twitch TV is an indicator that they are a forward-thinking company in one breath, and then you bury AEW and Ring of Honor and New Japan not having having TV deals with the other breath, when you literally said Impact has this streaming service and that's why it's really good. Well, Um, these... If you no, want to have a, I, if you want I'm to have not a worried, I'm not burying the New Japan World streaming service or the Ring of Honor streaming service. You quite clearly haven't listened to my point. Rod, but you know, I'm saying all elite. You know, they're, you they're going to be separate from Ring of Honor and New Japan right now. They're going to be separate from Ring of Honor and New Japan. Talk about TV ratings in a second. Those figures aren't going to count going forward. So you know, it'll be very interesting to see how well they do. But twenty thousand pay per view buys. You know, I'm going to say it's very disappointing for them. And do you want to talk like just TV ratings? The so Impact gets fifteen thousand viewers and ten. Hey, I'm not defending. I'm um, not defending the TV. AEW may not have a know? TV show. Broad, AEW may not have a TV show, but their biggest stars have their own YouTube show, and that gets a hundred thousand views per episode. And that's just the guys doing silly stuff, just yeah. literally dicking right. about. Yeah. yeah. Kudos and and to we them. didn't even know who was on the Impact roster earlier on tonight. That's your fault, not mine. I just can't find any valid reason that you could give that Impact is number two company on any metric. No. I think they're kind <laughs> of... Brod, what metric are you basing on? Give us a metric. Well, Elite haven't, haven't had a show yet. So, so you know... Elite, give that, me the reason why Impact is number two. Give me the reason why Impact is number two. Give me a reason why all elite wrestling are number two. Oh, you no, come on now. You're, you're the one under the, under the, yeah. mic, under the light us, now, mate. Tell us, Brod, why Impact is number two. I gave you, my, gave you my reason at the very beginning of the show. It's not my fault you can't listen. What's your number one metric? Why TNA, Impact, whatever you want to call it. I still call it I, TNA. But I Impact, why is it number two? By comparable production value to New Japan and Ring of Honor. I think they're very good at that. Your As I said, all on production just, values is why they're the number two company. That's you your should. main argument. No. What's your number one reason? They're an established brand, probably more established than Ring of Honor. They're and a New damaged Japan. brand, but no one cares about. Uh, when you say they're an, more established than New Japan, we are talking about only in America, right? We're not, yeah, we're yeah. not considering... Between US and Canada, that was at yeah. the beginning of the debate. So, but, no, no, respect to New Japan. Uh, <laughs> no way any of our organizations could compete with New Japan in, in the Japan. Japan. No. So that's yeah. fair comment. Uh, but yeah, going back to my point before I was so rudely interrupted by Jason, you know, I grant you impact was once a previously damaged brand and they are coming up again. There is more praise for the show comparison to say what it was two years ago. They seem to be in a financially better state. It's a shame about their TV deal with pursuit, but that doesn't mean that could change in the future. Uh, when I said Twitch is the future, uh, or streaming services like Twitch is the future of how we consume TV. And it's not just the future, it's the present. You know, it's a bold move. And I've got to give credit for the number two organization in the United States and Canada for taking that step forward. Yeah, I but don't I, hear any actual valid reasons. I, but I want to say a point, and that's about Ring of Honor, you know, you and All Elite. So you mentioned Sadiq Khan has what? Not you know, Sadiq Khan. Not, no. not Sadiq Khan. Oh, Sadiq. <laughs> <laughs> That's the wrong Khan. I, I've lost my argument. I mean, Shard Khan <laughs> and uh, Tony Khan. Uh, you know, 
they are very rich and successful businessmen, you know, multi-billionaires. Ring of Honor is owned by Sinclair Broadcasting. Who doesn't give a fuck about Ring of Honor. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But, you know... What's you can, quote, you, you can what, tell me that Sinclair's worth $6 billion, but that's because of their news and... Yeah, exactly. Exactly, exactly. They're not going to invest that in Ring of Honor. They don't get they, care about but, it like all of these got. Yeah, they did well out of uh, bullying them to get out of Madison Square Garden. So Sinclair care a tiny bit at least. But you know what's not to say that you know Tony Khan, Shahid Khan could just go. You know what? I'm bored. I don't want to invest as much money in all elite wrestling. No, that is a distinct possibility. Be really strange, and it has nothing. But don't think to back that up based on their previous business deals that they invest in long term, despite whatever problems they may face. I, I'm not. I'm not saying they wouldn't. As you know, I would be in agreement to say all elite wrestling will become the number two promotion. But as then right now, you're just a t-shirt company. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to disagree with that at all. Thank you. Thank you. They're still a long way off, AEW. Thank you. I, yeah. I mean, I don't know what you want to base it on. I could tell you based on hype, interest. Google searches, social media hope, following, YouTube channels, pay-per-view sales, merchandise sales, quality of roster. After all that hype and interest. I mean, every single thing I just mentioned, AEW comes ahead of both those other two in the US. Yeah. So how do you feel about Defender Ring of Honor in New Japan, Sam? Because we haven't I, heard much from you defending your product. I haven't really been defending it because it's... I don't think Ring of Honor is the number two promotion in, in the US now anymore. I don't think there is a true number two promotion anymore. We're kind of in, in a weird limbo. I don't, think, I don't think Impact gets the kind of attention that it, 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 it would to be considered like a big second promotion going by the standards of, I guess, when it was the second promotion. I don't think New Japan or Ring of Honor. I think New Japan on its own, if they started running regular shows in the US, maybe they could become the number two. With visa but, problems. But yeah, exactly. Visa problems. They, they're just not going to take those kinds of risks. Um, but I think their shows are still big draws because of the novelty. I think Ring of Honor is basically on the way down. They've got no real big stars. Nobody really cares about another Jay Lethal title match. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And, and, and yeah, AEW haven't done anything either. It's kind of actually, it's quite an exciting time to be uh, an American wrestling fan because any, anything could happen. I would say a wrestling fan across the world, you know, anything could happen. AEW could blow WWE out of the water. That's the potential they have. But then again, they could be the number three brand in North America, Jason. Yeah, or they could become the global force. Uh, all <laughs> <laughs> okay you know what you know what? I'll, I'll take i'll take that one i'll take that one you know i'll, I'll take that blow well i'm uh, pretty pretty confident if we put a poll out on social media i'll win it so i'm happy to put it out there and see yeah. what the see what the oh, oh, for, what, for, for once you're glad to put a poll out jason because you feel super confident i'm like more confident than anything probably. i am going to set up multiple twitter accounts just to botch that poll <laughs> I can, you know, you know, I can see who the voters are and just check that. It'll be pretty obvious. Broad one, two, three, four, <laughs> one, two, three, four, five. It'll be pretty obvious. No, it'll be Jason Norris one, two, three, four, five, and oh, be like, yeah, then... oh, oh, did I vote for that? Have I been sleep tweeting? Yeah. <laughs> do, do I conscientiously agree with? This? <laughs> oh God, this has gone downhill. Right. Well, there's. So, this... so, yeah. I think the reason I want to move on to the next segment is let's talk about roster and dream matches if we were to line oh, them up against oh, WWE oh, and see oh, what oh. looks better. 
Yeah, we'll probably just move on to the next segment because I think I could uh, shout at Jason for hours. But joking aside, that was a good debate, guys. And I think, apart from Sam, we might have to uh, agree to disagree here. So I'm going to also follow Jason's lead and be running a poll on this tomorrow. So please uh, let us know your thoughts. But after this break, as Jason mentioned, we'll be fantasy booking our number two promotions against WWE's finest talent, and creating our WWE versus our brand ultimate card after this break. This podcast is affiliated with the WWL Meetup Group. WWL or Watch Wrestling London get together with many fans to watch pay-per-view replays on Monday nights and attend live events across London, be it WWE, Progress, Rev Pro, Eve and many more. It's a great way to watch wrestling with friendly people and all are welcome to join. You can find out more at WatchWrestling.London or just Google Watch Wrestling London and you'll find the Meetup page. As mentioned before the break, we'll be doing some fantasy booking. We'll be creating our five match cards and discussing each one and why we like it or why we think it sucks. So, Jason, you're doing WWE versus AEW. Sam, you'll be doing uh, WWE versus New Japan slash Ring of Honor. And I'll be doing WWE versus Impact. There are no restrictions as such. Just keep it to five matches only and stick to the current rosters of each promotion. So... Who wants to go first? I think Sam, you can go first. Okay, fine. Yeah, go I, I, I was going to go last. I, I went a bit mad with this one. I wrote, like, the build and everything as well. So I'm going to try and run through it really, really, really quickly. Um, so this, this is all kicking off at the end of an episode of Raw. Uh, the bell's just gone on the main event, and Becky Lynch has successfully defended her titles. That's important. We'll come back to that later. Suddenly, there's a blackout. On the Titantron, we see the New Japan logo appear, and this then fades to a shot of Jay White sitting behind a desk with the Lion logo on the wall behind him. I was going to use Kenny Omega, but I've been told I'm not allowed because he's in All Elite now. Um, yeah. So uh, Jay White it is. He's, you know, famous Western guy who can speak English. Uh, he says hello to Vince and tells him that times are changing in the wrestling industry, and he claims that the WWE roster can't hold a candle to the New Japan one, even when their locker room is filled with New Japan rejects. He says it's time for dinosaurs to die and for a new era to, in wrestling to begin. And he challenges Vince to a night of competition to settle the score. Uh, and then that's the end of that promo. We fade out. So then uh, at New Year's Dash, the New Japan show, it's the end of the show. Uh, Kazuchika Okada's done his show ending promo where he says, I'm going to be champion forever because I'm the rainmaker or whatever. That's what he normally says. And the commentators are si signing off. But before they can finish, the lights go out and the WWE then, now, forever, Ident plays on the screen. This then cuts to a, sh a shot of Vince sitting behind his desk. He says that Jay White has a lot of nerve to, to be making claims like he did the other night on Raw and that Jay and the rest of the New Japan roster can talk as much as they like. But in this business, actions speak louder than words. He says that WWE has always had the best roster in the world and that he's going to prove it. He accepts the challenge Jay White made on Raw and says that as New Japan made the initial challenge, he will decide the card. Then he lays out five matches as follows. I made out a, a new kind of stipulation. I, made, I don't know if it exists or if it's been done. A tag team elimination gauntlet match. So there's two teams of, team, of five tag teams. 
two teams start in the ring. Then when one team from one side is eliminated, the next team joins and the winner is the last side with teams left to play, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So on the WWE side, I would have the Revival, the New Day, the Usos, the Club and the War Machine or the Viking Raiders or whatever they're called, the Viking Experience, Big Viking Boys. You know who I mean, those guys. Uh, have them and on the new japan side i would have uh, god gorillas of destruction the killer elite squad which is davy boy smith jr and lance archer uh, evil and sonada from lij Rapongi 3k and tomohiro ishii and yano as well on the new japan side uh, then the next match would be a king of the flips four-way it would be kota ibushi versus will osprey versus ricochet versus mustafa ali to determine who truly the flippiest man in the world is <laughs> <laughs> Then uh, we have the King of the Plants match. This is Zack Sabre Jr. versus Daniel Bryan, uh, because I think that that would be a fucking barnstormer. Then Ace versus Ace. I would have Tanahashi versus Reigns. Reigns doesn't normally have titles anymore, but there's no denying he is the ace of WWE. He used to be Cena, but it's not anymore. Then Champion versus Champion. I'd have Seth Rollins versus Kazuchika Okada. So once Vince has finished announcing these five matches, the lights come back on and Kevin Kelly on commentary starts to talk about Vince, what Vince has said. But before he can get a word out, he's interrupted by a wrestler's entrance music. He says he thinks he recognizes it. And it's Becky Lynch's music, which is strange because she's a female wrestler and there's no women's division in New Japan. So what's she doing here? She walks into Karakuen Hall with both of her with both her belts and climbs into the ring. She cuts a promo where she says that she and the rest of the WWE women's division feel cheated and overlooked. As always, they don't even have space on this show. She says she knows that New Japan doesn't have a women's division, but that the man could still wipe the floor with anyone in their locker room. She says she doesn't care if the match, match is officially sanctioned or not. She doesn't care what the bigwigs in New Japan think, and she definitely doesn't care what Vince thinks. If New Japan think it's okay to interrupt her show to make their demands, she thinks it's okay for her to make her demands on their show. She says she wants New Japan's most violent, brutal, and sadistic person to face her one-on-one -on -one so that when she beats him, everyone will know that she truly is the man, both inside the WWE and overseas. At that point, Minoru Suzuki's music cuts in. He walks down to the ring slowly, climbs in, and stares down Becky Lynch to end New Year's Dash. So then we have a sixth match, which is unsanctioned, which is why I snuck it in there. Uh, Becky Lynch versus Minoru Suzuki, which would be an unsanctioned Brother, which, brother are we allowing this? Who the hardest motherfucker in the world is. Are we allowing this unsanctioned match on the card? And I, I, I also did all the results as well, but I will allow it if you remove one match. Oh, which, which match? Any tag match. team matter didn't matter, probably, I'd go for. I mean, the tag team match didn't matter, but I had, I had some long-term booking written there. I assumed that we might get another show out of this, so I was going to have Tamatonga. Uh, 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 I said five-match card. You can only have five matches. It's, it's an unsanctioned match. No, 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 no. It's not we'll, a real we'll... match. It's just a between-match segment. It's There's still real to me, goddammit. No. Sorry, unsanctioned match is basically a bullshit term of saying street fight. So I mean, yeah, it is. But... Yeah, so <laughs> come on, uh, what are you going to sacrifice, Sam? Yeah, you got to sacrifice something. You got Scott Stone or something. This is hard, right? Because all, I think all of the matches, apart from that one that I got rid of, would be barnstormers. I guess the tag team elimination gauntlet match would have to go, even though I think that would be a cool <laughs> match to see. I and, would. And the stipulation. I would ditch that, I that match out of all yeah, of them. I would ditch that match. It sounded too long. No offense. I mean, yeah, fair enough. 
Um, so then in terms of the, the results, I'd have in the Gauntlet match, which is now on the pre-show, uh, I would have Tamatonga pin Luke Gallows because then we can do some kind of like you used to be Bullet Club. I'm in Bullet Club. Let's have a fight type thing for the second show of these, because obviously this would draw enough to get a second show. There's no question. Uh, in King of the Flips, I'd have Ricochet go over pinning Will Ospreay, which would be a nice kind of continuation of their million billion matches that they've had. Um, I would have Zack Sabre Jr. go over Daniel Bryan by reversing the yes lot into orienteering with Napalm Death. Uh, I would have Roman Reigns beat Tanahashi by reversing a high fly flow into a spear and then Superman punching him about 50 million times because that's what happens. And then, see, this is what I mean about the long-term booking, right? It doesn't work without the without the tag team gauntlet. I would then have Seth Rollins and Kazuchi uh, and Okada go to a 60-minute time limit draw like they did with Kenny Omega. Oh. I know that sounds bullshit, but I think that they could uh, they could make it work. And then you'd end up with a pay-per-view where all of the matches were um evenly met or evenly matched hang on have i done this right i might have buggered this up yeah except the becky lynch match where she wins putting wwe over but it's unsanctioned so then you've got that storyline of being like oh well you know even though wwe technically came out on top uh it wasn't an official match let's do it again let's go for the future etc etc okay so yeah that's my fantasy booking I think the things I'd really enjoy in that show would be the Flips match. The King of Flips would be amazing, I'm sure, because Osprey and Ricochet have had amazing matches together. You put the other guys in, that'd be great. And Zack Sabre would be Daniel Bryan. I think they did that match on the UK independent circuit years ago when Daniel Bryan was like between WWE or before it, and it was meant to be really good. I'd love to actually get a chance to see that with the way they've developed now. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk more about Sam's card in a bit. Uh, Jason, do you want to go next? Yeah, sure. Okay, so I've got my notes on his one. So I, I, I haven't gone as far as Sam, by the way. Yeah, so mine's, mine's a lot simpler. I've just thought Sorry. about... I started so, writing it and then it, I just got carried away. It's very good booking, I've got to yeah. say. So my show is... I, this is partly inspired by listening to the latest episode of 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff and he was talking about how they did the New Japan and WCW joint show in North Korea. And so, so my show is taking place in North Korea. Because, you know, why not? We're going there for the money. Saudi money, we're going for North Korea. Probably not money. Maybe they I got was going to say, that famously rich country, <laughs> yeah, yeah. North Korea. We're going there for all the rice and rat we can eat. And coal. Yeah, yeah that lovely location. For part of this. It'd be a big thing. Is based on my, my mind, I have the biggest attendance because they had about 170,000 people choose or told to turn up for those shows but they did in the 90s so i've got a huge audience for this um okay i've got five different styles of matches i've tried to think about this i've left out some pretty names i you might think are strange but it tied into more the themes i was going for so i've also i guess my opener is a flips match mine's not so much king of flips mine is tag team flips so i've got lucha brothers versus black and ricochet in my amazingly flippy athletic opener. So Lucha Brothers be Black and Ricochet. I follow that with my Talkers match. So I want to use Jericho because I like his new brawler persona. And it makes it hard because you don't want to put him against someone he's had a load of matches with already in WWE. So I've got the new evil heel brawler is Jericho versus the new babyface Miz because they could have an amazing run of talking to each other. And I'd love to see them having flipped roles and have Miz being a babyface versus Jericho after how much time they spent in WWE, but never really having much of a run together. So I'm visiting that match because I'm a big fan of the Miz at the moment as well. 
Then my classic tag team match. It had to be done. The Young Bucks take on The Revival. Follow The Revival. Fuck The Revival. Oh, fuck The Revival. I'm going for Follow The Revival. If you didn't have that match, I think I would just give up on being on this podcast out of just rage. It makes sense. I I, I would quit. Yeah, that had to be done. That that would be (laughs) such a good match as well in terms of the very different styles. And everyone sometimes criticizes The Young Bucks, but they've got tag team psychology down when they choose to do it. It's just they, they know their audience normally. So I've got that. And I kind of have to put Cody Rhodes on here because he's one of the bigger names, you know, in terms of like involved in AEW. But I'm not a big fan of his in-ring work. I think he's a classic three-star best kind of guy. So I'm, but he's got great psychology and he can work that persona. So he'll Cody Rhodes versus the Velveteen Dream is going to be my fourth match on the show because I can imagine those two doing some amazingly fun stuff together. Especially you can imagine Velveteen bust like busting out some Dusty Rhodes moves. In that match, just to play with Cody, so we'd have that. He'd probably bring out some the gold role. dust as well. He'd bring out some gold dust as well. You know, he'd be playing and all this great stuff. The crowd would go for that if the North Koreans would know gold what the Dream and Dust was doing. <laughs> yeah, and then my main event, so it's Kenny Omega. Who do I pick to go with him? I nearly picked Seth, but I went for Daniel Bryan, and I've similarly thinking that would be some insanely forty-minute to an hour match of Kenny Omega versus Daniel Bryan, and it would be pure wrestling. Wow. Um, do you want my winners or just that's the card? I mean, the winners. Go, go, yeah, go yeah, away. it's important. Winners, yeah. winners, winners, winners. Winners, winners. So I'm putting I'm putting Lucha Brothers over Black and Ricochet. Yeah. I'm putting Jericho over Miz. Ooh. Then I'm having because I like the revival. Follow the revival. They're going over the Young Bucks. Mm-hmm. And then Velveteen Dream goes over Cody. So we are tied four for four. Yeah, you know, two for two. The main event. It's a hard one to pick. I think you have to go with Kenny as the face over AEW wins the overall show, but it could go either way. And I don't know if WWE would allow that. But we'll say we'll say AEW wins it three to two. Yeah. So I have no fantasy booking whatsoever, in, except for the card. But uh, I have my reasons. But fuck it, I'll just come up with something on fly. Vince McMahon eats a burrito one day and decides, you know, it'd be a great idea, pal. I buy that Canadian promotion Impact <laughs> and then he buys Impact and makes it NXT Canada fuck it so <laughs> <laughs> you could do that actually couldn't you that would work so Survivor Series it's WWE versus Global Force Impact NXT Canada and to start off the show we are going to have the entire Undisputed Era versus OVE in a four-on-three handicap OVE rules match. So basically you have Callahan and the Chris Chris brothers who are incredibly talented at hardcore wrestling and the Chris are good at some flippy shit against all four Undisputed Era members who are also incredibly talented at wrestling. So I think, you know, nothing screams impact more than just multi-men starting off a match, uh, starting off a card, sorry. So I think Faction Warfare will make a great opener and I would put I would put Undisputed Era over because they have the numbers advantage. So the second match I have on my card is Roman Reigns versus the current Impact World Champion Brian Cage. I think I just basically want to see what happens when you put one tank against another tank. It would be like USSR versus USA, but with... You know, Brian Cage is a bit smaller. But I think these guys could put on a masterclass on brawling and hitting hard and doing power moves. And it's good to see the top guy of 
uh, one company go against the top guy of another company. So I put Roman Reigns over just because he's main event of WrestleMania four times. So fuck it. Then I'd have a tag team match. LAX versus the Usos in a street fight tornado rules tag match. I feel the way that they cut the promos are very similar and I feel that they are two of the very best tag teams in the world right now. And I think, you know, their moveset could also lend to the fact that and their promo style just lends to the fact that this could really set up a street fight pretty well. So I'd have that. And then I'd have an obvious story for my co-main event, and that would be Johnny Impact versus a Miz, just because they're former WWE Tag Team Champions uh, back in WWE's ECW. Uh, whilst they've had a WWE Championship match back in uh, the early 2011, I think, when Miz was WWE Champion, they never really had a proper blowout match to end their rivalry. So with Johnny Impact being a terrifically douchey heel and Miz being a surprisingly good babyface and both of the similar like Hollywood-type gimmicks uh, with Miz, you know, <clears throat> having the Marine series and Johnny Impact doing Glow and uh, being on Survivor last year, I feel that this could actually make a great story here with, you know, playing up to really living up to their uh, Z-list personas, if you will. And for my main event, it's the best versus the best. I'd have Tessa Blanchard versus Charlotte Flair. I think it just makes sense to put these two women together, the daughter of two of the four horsemen carrying the legacy of their fathers into this new era of wrestling, and you could argue a better era of wrestling. So I, I just realized I haven't booked the other two matches, so I'd have LAX go over and Johnny Impact go over. And for the main event, I'm going to hate myself, but you know, I do like a heel going over. Actually, they're both heels. I make Tessa Blanchard a face. Charlotte Flair's a heel. Woohoo! Ric Flair's dynasty lives on by kicking the Blanchard dynasty. But, you know, I think that can make a very good match. So, if we like just talking about each other's cards here, I think I already said, Sam, I can see how much I'd enjoy a Sabre versus Daniel Bryan. King of Flips and Sephia Carter would be pretty amazing. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I was just going to say, for Seth v. Okada, if I can't have five matches on the card, then I would change that and I'd put Okada over instead uh, of having it as a draw. The only reason I had it as a draw is because I thought that match could go to a draw and people probably wouldn't feel like they were ripped off, okay. especially if they got to watch an hour of wrestling. And then it would allow me to do the story where with the kind of tenuous WWE victory, but not really. But as we don't, we now got an even number of matches before Lynch versus Suzuki. Uh, then I'd I'd put a carder over so that then you end up with two two and two, and then the Becky match being like the decider. Right. So didn't really care about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, no, I I that... kind of I kind of agree with Jason. I think Saber versus Brian sounds like a cracker. Uh, Ron's versus a carder. Yeah, that's. I mean, I throughout i was thinking aj styles but then i kind of realized aj styles has been in new japan already so rons would actually feel fresher so i actually agree with that yeah uh, and the king of the flips match sounds really fun too i'm not a huge fan of intergender wrestling if i'm honest so the becky lynch minara suzuki one doesn't appeal to me but that's just um that's just my personal taste i think other people who like uh intergender wrestling would probably enjoy that match I think overall, Sam, I, I think I'd enjoy watching your show. Um, Broad, I struggle with your one a bit more. I love your main event. I think the four horse, like four horsemen daughters to not four horse women, or Tessa says she's a four horse woman by birthright, if I remember. Yeah, that's going 61 yeah. minutes. 
FYI. That's yeah, yeah. Well, that'd be a, I, Sam, and there's a winner. They're both amazing <laughs> performances. I think that would be clearly a major, a, a really good match. Be a legendary I struggle, match. I struggled to care about the rest. I think Reigns v Cage would be a car crash, and I'd enjoy it for that reason. I'm not sure I'd worry too much about most of the other ones on your card, but that Why might be me. LAX versus Usos. Yeah, I was going to say for me that that's the top match on that that card. Like, obviously, I would be excited about Blanchard versus Flair, but that would be it's like expected, you know. Impact versus Miz makes storyline sense. It actually has a story. So, yeah. you know, I had to put that onto the card too. But yeah, LAX Usos would be in cracking. It would be just as good as Young Bucks versus the Revival, in my opinion. Mm. Mm. I feel like there's definitely more heat with the Young Bucks versus the Revival. Oh, like, no, I, 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 grant, I grant you that. I mean, I've seen, I've seen LAX live a couple of times now. I, they're good, but they're not amazing. That's because you haven't seen them put on a great match yet. Because you know uh, that that show, Pancakes and Power Drivers, was just you know. Awkward. I was just talking about Progress, and they had a pretty meh match with. Oh, with, I thought their match the, at Progress was pretty good. LAX. Well, you know, Jason, if you watch their match with the Lucha Brothers at Homecoming, you'd fucking know. I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I like. The, uh, I, I think with your card, Jason, the thing that I would probably do is swap the Omega versus Brian and Young Bucks versus the Revival matches round because the crowd for Young Bucks versus Revival would be like nuclear. I think it, it, it would even be... Even in North like, Korea, they'd be nuclear for even in, <laughs> even in well, oh, North Koreans all watch Being the Elite. So, um, but yeah, they, they'd be, you know, really hot for it and you'd get all the dueling chants and, and madness like that. It also would revive a probably extremely tired crowd from watching all of the other matches on the card, which are all likely to be, yeah, mental as well. If we just take out the North Korea bit for a second. Fine, I'll put it in the US a, or something. Yeah, a real audience. <laughs> um, I would have to disagree. I think, you know, Kenny Omega, one of the best wrestlers in the world, Daniel Bryan, one of the best wrestlers in the world, and one of the most popular wrestlers in the world. I don't think uh, you would follow that match. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, true. Uh, true. I, I, it's just you know what what is headlining that match is headlining. By the way, I think Cody's better than a three star wrestler. How dare you? Uh, I've seen him in person and live for many years. I can't think of a great match he's been in. I, I don't think he's a five star, but he's he's better than a three. He's above average for sure. Yeah, he's yeah. not Kenny Omega, but he's not. I don't know. But. Uh, yeah. Nick Aldis, you know what I mean? Yeah. How dare you talk bad about Magnus. <laughs> the, the Velveteen Dream, though, what a great pick for that match. Well, that's right. I think that'd make it a lot yeah. better, just those two playing off each other. Yeah, the, the American Velveteen Dream. Oof. You know they would do something like that. Oh, you know, you know what I want to see now? Him jump to AEW, the Velveteen Nightmare, make it a tag team. You know Velveteen would come out in polka dots or something. You know, yeah. there'd be something yeah. going on there. Yeah. Yeah, I want to see that so bad. Like, Good old I, mind games. I, I mean, I tried to put Velveteen Dream into my card, and I was thinking Johnny Impact versus Velveteen Dream would make a better match, but I just couldn't resist the story of Johnny Impact versus Miz, or else I would have had Velveteen Dream and Mrs. Slot. 
So the one I struggled the most with was to work at Jericho's opponent. I went with the new Miz because I thought I could see some great promos and back and forth between, between, the, between the two of them, and I like Miz as a face. Um, it, was, it was a hard one to pick. I don't know if you guys, that's the one I struggled with, if that one yeah, stands th- out. That match is one where, you know those matches where you're like, well, I didn't actually know that I wanted to see that match until someone mentioned that it might happen, and now actually definitely really, really want to see it. It's kind of one of those matches. I never would have thought that I would get excited at the prospect of it, but I tried to get Johnny. I, Ra- I nearly put Johnny Wrestling in there, but I didn't think it would be as interesting. No, I I actually believe Miz would make more sense. I think they were former tag team champions, right, Jericho and Miz. God, did they had that brief run, did they? It might have been because then they both took turns. Tim. Oh the show. no, no, no! It's Jericho and Miz and Big Show. Yeah. Okay, no, so I'm wrong. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, there's stuff you could work with in terms of promos. And The Miz has definitely picked up as a wrestler in the past four or five years as a storyteller. So, you know, that at Jericho's age, and not to dismiss Jericho, if you put that into a no-DQ sort of environment, well, you, you're going to get think, a 4 4 now style match. Yeah, if you think about Shane and Miz at Mania, but you swap out Shane for someone who can wrestle. Yeah, exactly. So you've got Smoke and Mirrors there to help elevate those stars even more not saying that jericho or miz are bad wrestlers by any stretch i just mean you know they have the limitations so i think you know you have that story put them in an odq environment that'll make a fantastic match so broad i feel like while i understand why you went for johnny impact versus the miz because obviously there's history and the storyline and stuff i feel like you also missed out on a big money match of doing johnny impact versus johnny wrestling for the, the claiming of the name johnny Johnny on a pole match. Yeah, Johnny on a pole. <laughs> Johnny well, on that, a pole. That sounds wrong, doesn't it? <laughs> so, um, our international yeah. audience may not know what a Johnny is, so we'll, we'll just leave it at that. Google it, <laughs> but not at work. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, hmm. But yeah. Don't Google it. You might be disappointed. Uh, but yeah, uh, Johnny on a pole. Now, I kind of want to avoid like something like that i think I, I was trying to take a bit more seriously sam i was trying to take a bit more seriously yeah, okay. but yeah i mean i think all our cards are great i if i'm being honest like i don't really i would watch every single card every yeah, single same. I, I think it's, it says something about really about the how fucking ridiculous the wrestling industry is at the moment that we can fantasy book invasions between three different promotions and every card sounds amazing uh, oh no no, no. mine's not an invasion vince mcmahon bought out impact and rebranded oh yeah NXT sorry yes. sorry if yes I, yes if i was to like pick the best three matches i guess one and it's probably pick one from each card i'm taking tessa blanchard versus charlotte flair mm. i'm probably going to go for the king of flips from sam's card just because i think that'd be insane and then it leaves me to get kenny versus daniel bryan in the main event and though you think imagine the the wrestling quality in those three matches and they're all they'd all be kind of actually quite different types of wrestling as well which would be quite good maybe we should have just collectively booked like some mad fantasy supercard where all of these promotions all end up having a big scrap oh we run out of time but yeah i would have done that right now but um yeah i mean to follow jason's suit just briefly yeah i mean I'd put LAX versus the Usos just because I'm a huge fan of those tag teams. But aside from that, oh, I would want to see Young Bucks versus Revival, but I love Velveteen Dream too much. So I, I would pick Velveteen Dream versus Cody. And from Sam's card, you know what? I'll pick Seth versus Okada, even if it ends in a draw. 
No, we're not doing the drawer anymore. Oh, we're not yeah. doing the drawer. Oh, yeah. It's, much detail it's very important. It's very it's, important it, that there would be a clean finish. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, out of me and Sam, Jason, who do you think has a better card? Um, Sam. Fair enough. Yeah. Sam, <laughs> Sam, who do you think has a better card, me or Jason? I don't know. I didn't get to pick my uh, top three matches either. But um, We'll do know. that straight after. Yeah. Okay. Um, I... I I feel like as a New Japan fan, I have to say Jason, just because there's way more kind of dream matches for me on that card than there are on the Impact one. But that doesn't mean that what you've booked is not extremely kind of interesting as well. Wouldn't make a good set of matches. But yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to go with Jason. Sam, you're fired. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would probably go with Jason as well on this one. But Sam, just briefly, uh, your top three. Oh yeah, top three: uh, Zack Saber Junior versus Daniel Bryan. No, no question. Two of my favourite wrestlers in the world. Uh, Young Bucks versus the Revival from the All Elite card. Just because I am a huge fan of being the Elite, and I think that would be a great match. And then, uh, ooh, probably LAX versus the Usos actually from from your card. Because I, I mean, yeah, I'd know that Blanchard versus Flair would be a good match. So it's not, I wouldn't get excited about it. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's like a expected good match. Whereas LAX and the Usos has the potential to be something yeah. like TLC two kind of level. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, you're just saying that about Blanchard versus Flair because I booked it for sixty one minutes. That's all. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm <laughs> trying to uh, outdo yeah. my main event. Yeah, I think we've all booked incredibly good cards and uh, shame none of them will ever happen. But, yeah. you know, I, yeah. until, a, until AEW buys out half of WWE's roster. Uh, <laughs> and, so, and and links up with New Japan, like I said earlier in the podcast. It's going to happen. I'm calling it now. And Vince buys out Impact. But, of course. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think we all agree that these cards are great and are much better than the fantasy roster Jason drafted last week. But anyway, that wraps it up for this week. And thank you for joining me both, gentlemen. And also, more importantly, thank you for listening to us, loyal listener. And join us next week where we discuss more of the latest in the world of professional wrestling. But in the meantime, remember to subscribe to us on all good podcast outlets. Drop us a five-star review where possible. And like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Holy Shoot Pod. And that's the bottom line, as this pod said so.